So if you have driven by any high school or middle school this past week, you would have noticed that while school has not begun, the fields were full, the campus was packed, and the parking lot had lots of cars. Because see, last week, band had to report. All the drill teams and the dance teams, football and volleyball, had to show up for what we call preseason. And for those of us that have experienced it, or maybe you band parents out there that are experiencing it right now, you know it is hard, hot, difficult, grueling work. But all of the coaches and the directors know that this preseason is pivotal for bringing the team together and for allowing the, these group of individuals to figure out how can we be part of something common? What is our common goal that we're headed towards? And so that's what we're doing here at WHPC in August. We're having a little preseason of our own. We're looking at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi as our guide. And last week we saw that the first element in our preseason is for us to demonstrate teamwork. And so we have to realize that part of being a team means that every individual member in this body of Christ needs to be rooted and grounded in their faith. We need to strive side by side sharing life with one another. And then we need to be pushing towards our common goal, which is pretty simple. It's just that the love of God would overflow more and more. And so today we're gonna look at the second element of our preseason and that's attitude. And so we're gonna be looking at, again, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter two. Before we read that, let us first look to the Lord in prayer. Holy and gracious God, our bodies are busied, our minds are busied. Some of us are anxious about what this week holds as they head back to school or prepare for that. But in these moments, Lord God, would you still us? Would you calm us? And would your spirit that is within each of us unite us through your powerful word of truth? We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hear now from the word of our Lord, chapter two, starting at verse two. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then skip down to verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but oh, more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world." It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run it in vain 
or labor in vain. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So a quick reminder. Paul is writing this letter to this church in Philippi when he is on house arrest in Rome. What we know from the book of Acts is that he visited this church and helped to establish it two times and they became very fond of each other. But what we know from chapter four of the book of Philippians is that a man named Epaphroditus has just come to visit Paul in Rome and to bring greetings from the Philippians. And we're told in chapter four that he actually brings Paul some financial gifts so that Paul can be living. And even though he's on house arrest, he still has to have food and stuff. But then what we can assume that Epaphroditus brings is kind of an update on how things are going back home. And, And I assume, based on as we read the whole of the letter, that there's something not quite right about what's going on back home. You see, if you look back at the scripture that I just read, listen to what it says. It says, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Four times in the letter, Paul urges the Philippians to be of the same mind. And two times he tells them to be of one mind. I have a feeling that there's some division going on in the midst of this church. It indicates to me that he's writing this letter to encourage the church, but then also he's going to do an attitude check with them. He knows better than anyone that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus said that. And you see, this Philippian church was a church plant, and it's relatively new, like all of the churches in the first century. And there are forces in the world, whether it be the Jewish leaders or whether it be the Roman leaders, there are forces in the world that do not want these churches to succeed. And so what what does the enemy of God do? Just a little divisions, little arguments from within. And so Paul is writing to these Philippians and challenging them, and he challenges them to get a new attitude, an attitude of humility. I find it so interesting That when we are challenged to have the same mind of Christ, it's not an attitude of greatness. You know, be the best. Be the best community you can be. Have all the answers for everyone. Be able to point everybody in the right direction. Have the perfect plan for living. No, having the same mind of Christ is this, Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. An attitude of humility. So does humility mean, you know, I just don't point out my own successes? I think the church has, has, has failed in defining what it means to be humble. And so what we've ended up doing is saying, oh, being humble means you just make sure you don't brag. You know, because if you do, then well, I, mean, you, I guess you could humble brag. You know, like you could, you could humble brag. Um, or like when, it's, when you actually did something great and someone else gets the credit, you just keep your mouth shut. I, I think these are real false views of humility. So I'm bothered by it though. I'm bothered that the, the command is regard others 
as better than yourselves. So I'm a overachiever, type three on the Enneagram, and, and I don't want others to do better than me, especially at things I'm good at. You know what I mean? So Charlie, my husband, you know, he can be a really good golfer because I don't play golf. Um, but I'm, by golly, he is never going to be a better volleyball player than me. And so there's this tension. It just makes me so uncomfortable. Paul, what do you mean regard others as better than yourselves? Because I think that the tendency could be, does that mean I'm supposed to think of myself less? Does that mean that humility means, oh, I guess I need to kind of have a low self-image? Remember that the greatest commandment is not love your neighbor. It's love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so I explored this verse deeper. What is Paul talking about? Regard others as better than yourselves. And I realized, oh my gosh, I've been reading it wrong. This is one of the reasons it is so important to read scripture in community. Is that I realized I had been reading as an individual. I had been reading as, what does humility mean to me? I should regard others as better than me means that I should regard myself as less than. And that's a lie. So I went back to my, my books and I found this book by one of my professors, Roberta Bondi, and she has made it her life's work to research our ancient father, desert fathers and mothers. And these were men and women in like year 100 to 400, common era. They left the civilization and they went out to the desert in Egypt and they lived in community. And it's ironic because, you know, they were leaving the temptations of the world to go live in isolation, and yet what happens is that they ended up experiencing all those temptations there. But what Bondi found out was that a key element to the success of these ancient fathers and mothers was that they had to practice humility. But for them, humility was only understood in community. And so these men and women lived in community, but what they realized was it wasn't just an attitude meant to be lived out within one's own self or one's own faith. So one was humble before and alongside another person. One was humble in order to help free up a brother or sister to be who God had created them to be. One practiced an attitude of humility for the purpose, not to like feel better or, or self-promotion or self-fulfillment, but you did that so that the community was lifted up. So we hear Paul define humility in this way, regard others as better than yourselves. He says this in the context of community. He doesn't mean think less of yourself, be a doormat, let people walk all over you, Part of having a healthy attitude of humility means I value myself so much because I know I am a creation of God that my goal is to make sure everybody around me feels the same. And when you see what happens when a community practices an attitude of humility, all that ends up happening is strength and unity and power. And so Bondi tells this story of this ancient father, Abba Macarius. He's out collecting palm fronds to bring back to his cell. And on his way back, he's carrying these palm fronds and he's met by the devil. 
And the devil comes to him and he has this long scythe, which is a tool that's a very long pole with a sharp metal blade coming off of it. And this is what she says. He, the devil began to strike at Macarius over and over as much as he wanted to, but he, his strikes were in vain. They weren't affecting him. And he says to Macarius, what is your power, Macarius, that makes me powerless against you? All that you do, I do. You fast, I fast. You keep vigil, I don't sleep at all. In one thing and only one thing do you beat me. And the Abba looks at him and asks what it is. And the devil says, it is your humility. Because of that, I can do nothing against you. I said this last week, friends, and I'm going to say it time and time again. Part of being on this team as followers of Jesus is that we have an opponent who is eager to come against us. The enemy of God is hard at work right now, creating plans to offend us, whether it be by things in this world, whether it be by relationships, circumstances of our lives, and the most powerful defense that we have is an attitude of humility. This attitude, it not only conquers evil, but it's this powerful witness to the world. You know what football players irritate me the most? The ones that after they make a touchdown, they throw up their arms and they just wait for more screams and more applause. I can't stand it. And it's such a difference when you see that football player get the touchdown and the first thing they do is go find the person who did the block and give them a high five. It's, it's a marketed difference to see that. There's another aspect of humility that Paul addresses openly. We need to watch out for our murmurings and our arguing. And as I read this, I'm like, what does that have to do with humility? Like you got this part about humility, then you got the Christ hymn, which we're gonna sing about at the end of our service today. Why does Paul address murmurings? And I looked at this, what is the connection? Well, the word murmur, it's a crazy word in the Greek. It's gone gusmos. It just sounds interesting. And this word is so great, it, it means this though. Murmuring means talking about someone in a low tone behind their back. The root word for murmur is the sound of doves cooing. I started thinking about doves cooing. You know, you're sitting outside and then suddenly you hear those doves cooing. Guess what it ends up being? Just background noise. The last thing that this world needs is more background noise. Apparently, there must have been people in the church in Philippi that were like doves cooing, just offering background noise, complaining about other people in a low tone behind other people's backs. An attitude of humility, it struggles to exist in a culture where people talk about each other behind their back. An attitude of humility does the exact opposite. An attitude of humility knows that murmuring about someone in secret doesn't value that person as an equal creation of God. An attitude of humility knows that complaining about situations behind people's backs, all it does is bring about division. It puts up walls between us. Paul says that when we do things in ways that lift others up, it makes us shine as lights in the world. Humility is not just our most powerful defense. It might be the way 
that the world comes to know the light and hope of Jesus Christ. Friends, believers, and followers of Christ, this community needs to have an attitude of humility. When we have issues with one another, that's okay. But we humbly come before one another and invite conversation. When we have something to complain about, we can keep it to ourselves, or we can humbly draw others into the conversation. And friends, our world needs us so desperately to bring that attitude of humility back into the world, back into your home, to your workplace, to your schools. Humility will be the attitude that lets us shine as lights. I want you to imagine with me this week. You're gonna find yourself in a conversation with folks who differ with you on political issues. It will happen. What if in that moment we regard the other as better than ourselves and we humbly join in the conversation without stereotypes, without mudslinging, without judgment. I want you to imagine that you see or you hear a bully in your school, in your workplace, and in that moment, you regard others as better than yourselves, and you humbly ask for that bullying to stop because we know how awful it feels to be made to feel less than. Or, or this week, imagine that you hear a sexist comment and you know how awful that has felt to you or to a loved one. And in that moment, we regard others better than ourselves. And in that moment, we speak up humbly because we know how demoralizing it is to feel less than. In the game of life, we need to come to our schools and to our workplaces with this attitude of humility and literally shine like lights in the midst of a broken and dark world. We need to be healthy teammates who stay away from murmuring and grumbling. It is with an attitude of humility that we can best live out our faith and shine like lights in this world. May it be so in my life and in yours. I'm gonna invite the band to come forward and we're gonna give you some time to reflect, to think about what can, what can we do, what can I do this week to approach something and with an attitude of humility in a way that is Christ-like, the same mind as Christ.